does he wake up? He's trying to help him when he wakes him up. What does that have to do with him? He's trying to save the bandit from the bandits. What, what, how does that fit in there? So I think that if we understand the Marshall correctly, the Mitchell correctly, the Marshall correctly, it will answer the other question about why Asa was called the slave of God. Yaakov Avinu, when he tried, when he was interacting with Asa, he understood that Asa was not a slave of God. Asa hates him and wants to kill him. What he was trying to do is he was trying to reach a point at Ishtar to reach that the Achva of Asa, someplace buried under all the layers of hate and the hurt and everything else, there's a problem. The two kids who play together in cars when they were little. And if I could just get to that, now what I'll say. The message is telling us that what Yaakov is doing, he thinks that the Akhva is an innocent guy who's being somehow like attacked by the other Asa, the mean Asa who, who hates Yaakov. But if he could get to the Akhva, that would be a benefit. That's the sleeping dog of the letters talking about. The Asa who hates you, you go to his marriage for 14 years and he has no sleep over you. You go to two people of the end for not 20 years and no sleep over you. So if he comes at you, just go to the next one. Set up a mismanage and move on. That's not what you have to worry about. You have to worry about the Asa of The Asa who's your brother. And then the Russians will be banished. The person that you think is going to be the, the, the salvation here. The one you're trying to say that Ace of August, who's never been attacked by the Ace of Hatsaydin. No, he's the bandit. That Ace of the brother is the one with the bigger problem. Because when Ace of the acting. Because Jotham came back more to Ace of and, and told Ace of, look, uh, you know, uh, you wonderful Ace of, the wild Ace of, you are. Your, your, your servant, Yaakov, says such and such. Not for the kids here, but when you, when you talk to your... Uh, I was once sitting in shul. There was a boy learning with his father. And he was saying over Pshat that the Rebbe said Mishnayis. So the father said, that's how your Rebbe said Pshat? Your Rebbe must be drunk. If that's how he said Pshat, he's drunk. After a while, he chapped that the kid had misunderstood. He said, oh, your Rebbe wasn't drunk. You're drunk. So... If you tell your kid that his rabbi is drunk some of the time, and he says, Pshat, well, let's say you really are cholok on your, son, on your son's rabbi. The frat, as you get into to, to upper grades, and they're, they're teaching, it's, they're starting to give hadrochas achayim also the rabbi, it may, not be what you, it may not be the way you hold. And you may have good sources for what you hold. Even if you're going to argue, it has to be And let's say you hold that the Rebbe's taka drunk. You still can't say that, ever. And when you talk, let's say your child comes and says, my Rebbe's picking on me. And it might be true, it sometimes happens. But you can't say, well, then I'll go beat up your Rebbe. I think I mentioned here before, I, I, I had a Rebbe, I don't know, he was picking on me, but he was, being, he was very rough with me. I don't know if it's MS, but I remember, maybe that's what I'm bold now, I remember being picked off the floor by my chub. Lifted off the ground by my chub. Ah, good. So, uh, whatever, I know at some point during the year it stopped. Uh, whatever, I figured my rabbi, you know, realized that's not the best way to deal with it, and changed his mind. 
when I was in Beis Medrash, someone, one of the boys in my class, who was now together with me in Beis Medrash, says, I remember when your father came down to the yeshiva, and he told the Rebbe, if you ever touch my son again, I'm going to break your legs. So, my father never told me that. He never told me he's going to tell the Rebbe that. He never gave me an impression that he was going to say that to the Rebbe. Whatever I spoke to him about, it was like, okay, look, we'll deal with that. I'll speak to you, Rabbi, whatever. But, but, you know, the Rabbi's the Rabbi. And Baruch Hashem, therefore, I was able to grow up with a covered Rabbonim and a covered Rabbeim because I never heard anything else from my parents. Except, I never heard, they had disagreements with the Rabbeim. But I never, I never heard it from them. It would happen behind closed doors. Our Shprach to our children always has to be Adoni HaRabbi. Adoni HaRabbi. And even if there's areas where we disagree, you don't come home and say, I don't know what the world is thinking. I knew, I'll be Machmir, but I don't know what he's thinking. That's not, no. Then all the your kid learns, at best, that he needs to be Machmir, but that the world doesn't really know what he's thinking. And there's a famous Maisa that there was uh, someone who had a, a daughter, Nabuch, who was uh, getting ready to marry a guy. So as a last resort, he brought her to the world to try to convince her out of it. And the Rav was known to have a golden tongue. He was tremendous at this. She came in, she went out, nothing. He accomplished zero. So the father came up with complaints. Is everyone else you succeed with? Am I doing it or not? Says, I'll tell you, Marshall is some uh, bandit. You know, he's uh, robbing people on the road. And uh, some, someone comes by, so he waylays him. He grabs his knapsack, runs away. He doesn't have that. He's, there's no money in it. There's no, he throws the whole thing over the bridge and... Nebuch. So, there's a, meanwhile, he comes back home after a long day's work, and he's Lomai's a father, and he has a child who's sick, and they need a, you know, special medications. And he heard that there's a the doctor is coming who has these medications, and so there's a big, long line, and he sees people going in, they're all coming out disappointed, but it's his last hope, so he goes in, and he, says, he sees the doctor, and the doctor says, well, I, I'm sending everyone away, I don't have anything to... So what do you come for if you don't have? He said, I had a whole knapsack full of medications. But some bandit came and took them and threw them over the bridge. <clears throat> you. And that's why, so now I can't heal your daughter. He says, it's, you're 20 years too late. Every day, every Shabbos, you came home after the drosha. Eh, yeah, I don't know if I agree with what the Rav said today. It's a shvach kasha. Parents didn't really answer the kasha. No, I heard better. I heard the other Rav says better. So he says, you, you took the medicine of the rub and threw it out the window. You expect your daughter after 20 years of being poisoned with that to listen to me when I say something? She knows that she knows better than the rub. Sometimes you have to listen to her, but she knows better. Now she decides not to listen because she knows better. Too big a life choice to listen to the rub when you know better. We have to be very, very careful with it. It's l'choyra it's, it's not going to happen that someone doesn't agree with the rub, doesn't uh, doesn't disagree with the Rav, doesn't disagree with the Rabbi at some point. But uh, of course we understand we have to be machniyah ourselves and that we have to listen. But it, it has to be much more than that. It has to be 100% buying. And it has to be that this is what he said, ah, how lucky I am because I hear it mamish and what a terrible mistake I've been making obviously. So how lucky we are that we have a Rav who can show me the right way. And in your heart you say, no, not for real, but that's how you have to say it. And you have to live it. And eventually, hopefully, it will affect you. And that's the next Zach I want to say, is that you could use this trick not just to affect your children, how they think about things, 
but to affect yourself. My wife's grandmother had a, has a sister, um, Rebetzin, she lives there already, but Rebetzin Ganawa. She married a tremendous Adam Godel, or first Ganawa, he's a Talmud of Ayer, and they moved there to Israel. And at one point he was attacked, an Arab just came running into the house, stabbed him to death, and, and they had to move back to America. But this Rebetzin Ganawa, Someone did something. Very, I don't remember what the zakh is, but he did mamish a tremendous avodah. So of course he he, he said I'm moichem, but they have a diary. He has a diary that he kept, and, and they said it says in the diary he says I feel like I haven't been moichem properly. So I, I'm gonna makabel that every day I'm gonna write down something nice about him, something chosh about him. I'm gonna look to find something chosh about him. I'm gonna write it down to myself. And for the next 166 days in the journal, every day he writes something nice about this person. And he felt this cop, and he does this guy, and he's like this, and his children. And until on the 167th day, he says, he's such a chosh of a person, I now realize, how can I hold a grudge against him? And that, uh, now he, was, he felt the guy out of himself. When, when we talk positive about people, and we build them up, so it, we, that's, and we talk that way, whether we really originally think that way or not. But we make a point of talking about them choshev and speaking as if they're choshev and finding things about them that we could talk about choshev. We end up feeling that way. And if you have someone that you don't like, I'm old as a person in the community, you don't like him. It's, you don't hold this in Russia. You're personality and his personality don't get along. You hold this certain things that he does that are not 100%. Certain habits he has that maybe you should get over. You don't like him. You'd rather be around. You're not going to feel have fist fights in shul, but you try to sit on the other table by the kiddush. It may be a good idea to use this. Find an opportunity once a week. Notice something good about him and tell it over to someone else. Say, you notice how devalued Yenem is in this midah. So amazing. And you'll find that over time, it, you, your, your view on him will actually change. I wanted to say that Ulai, it's, it explains something. Later in the parsha, Yaakov says that um, he's, when he's thanking Hashem, or Davin to Hashem, the same from Esau, so he says that, uh, I, I, I crossed, I can't start with nothing. He made me to two camps. He could have said, you made me into a very, very large group of people. To the two camps is a sense that I've nerve. The reason why he's in two camps is because he's about to possibly be killed, and hopefully one of them will escape and be saved. Why is that the way he says that I've become... It's not that I became so much that we can't fit into one camp and we have to become two camps. They normally travel as one. I've been forced to become two camps now because of Aesop. So what, is, what does that have to do? Why is that how he expresses himself? But Ken Zayn, that Yaakov was either felt or was afraid of feeling an upsetness, a taina on Hashem Chas Vashon, that why do I have to be attacked like this? So he bedafka used that expression as part of his thanks. Because by doing so, it, it sucks out the venom on it. And he said, no, Shnei is the problem. If I look at this, so gefaldically large, I have two machinas. And, and, you know, uh, it's personally when people are, when Machloikis comes up or something, to, to say, look, we have two Givaldic opinions here. 
Look at the Gavaldika stick of Torah that's come out. Rabbi used to say, he says, what, how little Torah we would have were it not for the Machlokasim in Klai Yisrael. You know, it's the Machlokasim in Hagen. He says, because each person sees that their minute is different, and they try to figure out why their minute is the way it is, and they, they start learning through the sugya, and so much Torah has come out. Right? Well, he, he said it over here by Hanukkah. He said, you know, there's a sheet that holds, you go this way, one to eight, and one says it's eight to one. And how much Torah there is that comes out from that Machlokas? But even if it's not L'shem Shemayim, obviously you try to end it as quickly as you can. But one of the ways to end it is perhaps by sucking out the venom of it, by giving it beautiful terms. And instead of it being, oh, the other guy, no, no, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I hear the episode. So look, here's Gavad the Shiloh. If this happens, so who's right? And you turn it into a Shiloh. A Shiloh is a different side. A Shiloh is a good old handle. A Shiloh is not a Machloikis. So, why is something we could use? The Bosak Vaiter says, Yaakov was, was very worried about what might happen with Esau. So, first of all, Yaakov had been given a haftacha from HaKadosh Baruch Hu that um, nothing was going to happen, that he was going to be safe. So, why was he worried about Esau? So, Rashi says, Perhaps. He had sinned in such a way that he lost the uh, guarantee. So, kasha um, number one is that then what's the point? What's the point of a guarantee if if you didn't sin, you don't need a guarantee? Hashem should just save you because He'll save you. The the point of the guarantee is that even if you sin, you'll you'll still I'm guaranteeing it. This is not something you have to worry about. But there's a luchara, a more powerful question. The Rambam Paskins, Halakha that the way you test a Navi is you ask him to make a prediction with Toit, or Laparev at least, and if he, he has to predict, and it has to come exactly true, and if anything changes about it, so then he's Chayv Misa, because he's a Navi Shaker. So the Rambam says that does not apply if he gives a negative Nivulah. If he gives a negative Nivulah and it doesn't happen, so then... So then it's because uh, with the truth and Hashem forgave us. But if He gives a positive Nebuah, then it for sure has to happen. Because Hashem says, Hashem, right, really, Hashem could say, Shema Yigrel But Hashem says, I want you to have a way to test it on me. So I could make it that I'll never go back on a bad Nebuah. Why did I do that? I'll never go back on a good Nebuah. Hashem says, I told the Navi that this is the way it's going to be, this is the way it's going to be, even if you do Chaton. And that's why you can check the Novi, and if he says it's going to happen good, then it's going to happen, no matter what. And here, Hashem told Yaakov a Novi, a Nebuah Lutayv, and we're saying that Shema Yigrem Chet. So the Tzlach, and Mishnah Zbrochus, he asked the Kasha, and he says, L'Chor, what's a very posh of the Teretz, he says that being that the whole purpose of, of why Hashem doesn't go back on a good Nebuah is so you can test the Novi, he says, when, it's, when the Nebuah is Negev to the Navi himself, it's not that he's telling over to anyone. It's just a guarantee that he personally has, so there's no reason why Hashem can't back out on it in Shem Yigur He doesn't have to test his own Nebuah. He knows the guy in Nebuah. So therefore, Zabta Tzlach, in this case, there wasn't a problem with Hashem backing out because it wasn't Nebuah with Klai Yisro, and it was Nebuah for him himself. Um, uh, uh, another, just a, uh, uh, potentially... Um, a uh, cute possibility is 
is, uh, but it's, it's a little hard to say. It's, it comes up in other places. Sometimes it's not clear if a nevuah is good. You can call it, it's good for you, but it's bad for someone else. If Hashem says, you'll get the malucha, and sometimes someone else is going to lose the malucha, so is that called a good nevuah or a bad nevuah? Can that? So here, it's true that for Yaakov it was good, for Esau it was bad. Um, so is that, it's not necessarily that that type of nevuah is amenable to this rule, because Esau could claim, hey, you know, that's a bad nevuah for me, maybe if I do tshuva, I'll uh, something. So, well, the things run through Klaus also, as far as Yaakov is, so it doesn't apply. But it's, a, it's an interesting idea. There's another chat that's brought down, this farm. they say it like this. I want to try to explain the depth of what they're saying, or potential depth of what they're saying. They say, Yaakov knew that there was a tafta to Yaakov that he would not be harmed. What he was worried about is that maybe he's not Yaakov anymore. Maybe because of Shema Yigram Chet, he's not Yaakov. What does that mean? Like this. We learned in the Rajamsha, we just finished learning it in the next section, and section three, let's even more. There's a concept called Hishtal Shoshalamis. That means the way things happen in this world is Hashem sends down Hashpah. It starts at the top, wherever it starts, and it works its way down to this world, and that's how it comes out over here. When people um, predict the future, when an astrologer predicts the future, he's not predicting the future. He's predicting the present. He's saying, I'm looking at what's there, and I'm telling you what's coming down. It's like if you go to a botanist with a seed, and you'd say, if I put this in the ground, what will grow out? And he says, an apple tree. So you put it in the ground, and an apple tree goes out. Bah! He predicted the future. No, he knows what he's looking at. It's an apple seed. And when you put it in the ground, that's what grows out. He's saying, I see the apple seed. I see what's coming down the pipe. So, there's a Gemara that says that Rav Akiva was told by his... Uh, it was told by an astrologer. He didn't ask for it. It was told that his daughter is going to die on the day of Achasana. And it came to the day of Achasana, And uh, she didn't die. But she had a near-death experience. At one point she stuck her... She took out one of the pins that was holding in her hand. She stuck them to the wall. And when she pulled it out, it came out with a poisonous snake. She had transfixed it through the head. And killed the snake that way. And it was uh, there where she would have sat, it would have bitten her. So Akiva was shocked. And he said, did you, what did you do today? So she said, well, the poor person came to the room where she was. He asked for food. She didn't have, she gave him her portion. I don't know if the minute to fast existed yet, but she may have been fasting. If not, even so, Akala has other thoughts on her mind than, yeah, I'm a poor guy. And she was said, look, I don't have, whatever, I'm sorry. No, to give away her own portion. Akiva said, Sadaka Tatsun Brings down another Misa that he was sitting with the same astrologer and a group of people walked by. And he's, the astrologer says, that one is not going to come back alive. So later on he came back alive. So uh, the astrologer wanted to rip his hair out and then and Akiva said, what happened today? So the Misa was is that there was a, every day everyone bring food and put it into the pot and then you know, bring like a piece of the lunch and then everyone take back. And one guy forgot to, forgot to bring a portion. So there was going to be like a chaser, a section. So this guy just made believe as if he took a portion, but didn't. He didn't eat anything that day. And there was enough portions for everyone else. So it wasn't noticed. So again, Rebekah says to Dr. Tatsun Mahas. So the kasha, the kasha is, is very good. So Dr. Tatsun Mahas, what, how does it work? You know, the hashpah is coming down. It's here, it's, it's, 
If, if the star is singing, it's because that's the force that's coming down. Where does it go? What happens to it? So Avadi Kazesha makes it in. So it just it gets sucked back up, it disappears. Comes on under Mahalach. Avadu, that negative force happens. And it comes down and it, the lightning bolt hits the spot where you're standing. But a person who's able to sacrifice themselves in that way and give up on themselves that you're not of this world, you're not standing there anymore. You've moved up to a different spot. And you've become a different... You're, you're not living in this world. You're living in a more spiritual world. And in that, there's no, there's no, there's no force coming down to that spot. That spot is free. You can explain a different story in the reverse. The, the Gemara says that there was a, there was a, a Mayra who, who stayed late in yeshiva learning. And his, his wife got nervous about him and she started to cry. So, as a punishment for making his wife cry, the roof caved in and he got killed. And he never came home. So everyone asks, like, what, what's Hashem trying to do with that? You're punishing him for, making, for being five minutes late and you make him forever late. So what is his wife came from that? She cried many, many more tears afterwards. So Rechaim Shmulevitz famously says that hurting someone is a fire. It's not a punishment. When you sit down in the fire, you don't get punished for having a get burned. That's the way Hashem in the world, is that your hand gets burned when you burn the fire. If you check for someone, you get burned. There's no way out of it. I, it ends up worse. It doesn't matter. You get burned. The problem is, unfortunately, we've all shepherd people and the roof has not caved in on us. So what, if you're saying that that's the way it is, then that's the way it is. There's a few truths into it. But along this way, we could answer that when a person shepherds someone, it's, it automatically sends down a spiritual force of a problem. But not always is the shepherding so bad or whatever other factors there may be that it reaches all the way to this world. It stops in the spiritual world sometimes. But the house that you're in becomes spiritually broken. And the, the Ruach Al-Kim that's supposed to fill the house gets shattered. And you're now living in an empty shell. You're not living in a house anymore, for real. But it doesn't affect us because we live in, a, in the house. We live in the physical house. An Amorah doesn't live in the physical house. He lives in the spiritual house. So when the spiritual roof caves in, it hit him. It, it physically hit him because that's the world that he lived in. And that's why he got killed by it. If you would have come to the spot, you would have still seen the house. You wouldn't have seen any roof falling in. You would have just seen someone laying dead on the floor. But the reason is, is because the spiritual element is there. Zot, Zot, uh, Yaakov, I, I know that it's supposed to have talk of coming to me that I'm going to be protected. But maybe I'm no longer in that spot. Avat and Avtok is going to come. But I have to be there to receive it. I have to be in the spot where the, where the Avtok is coming to. I have to be on that Madrega. And if I'm, let's say, if to some level I've learned from Lavan and I'm no longer holding in Ruchnius that way, I'm become a Gushim. So then that's not where the Haftar was given. And Mela, I won't necessarily be protected. I want to end with one word. At the end of the parish, the Mice of Shechem, so, so the, um, the, the Shvatim come, and they tell, the, 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 they tell Shechem that we can't, we, can't, um, we can't get together with your family. It's a design to us. Because you're not Kemalat. He's, so they say, um, they say, this is what you can do if you want us, if you want the fellows together. 
Im tiyu kamoyim. If you'll be like us, limol lechol lechem kozach to be mal kozach. So Rashi says lihimol liyos nimol. He points out enoy loshen lifol el loshen lispoil. It doesn't mean to give yourself a bris meal. It means to have a bris meal. Why is this an important? Who cares? It's addictive. Shem notice the difference. Also, it's funny that they would. The pasuk says they were chewing them, but the Manish law, they had no intention. If you get a bris to ever marry into that. So what are you saying? If you come up with some other way of expressing yourself, they say if you do it, then then we'll be okay. So they explain that what Rashi means is it's not enough. What they're saying, don't we don't need you to get a bris just to get a bris You have to liyoy small. It has to become the mahus of who you are is that you're a mohel. Not just at one time in your life you got a bris milah, but that you become a person with a bris milah, with all that that represents, and that becomes your modality of life, and that you live as an eved Hashem, which is what the bris represents, as this person who controls himself, which is what the bris represents. A person who's willing to sacrifice for Hashem, which is what the bris represents. So they would tell them, if you would ever reach that level of other, we would marry into you. Then you'd be in it. But that's not going to happen. You're maybe going to do a brismila, but Leo is small, you're not going to do. And this Mahalach answers uh, a Shvara, the Medjish. The Medjish says that Dabra Malach went to the, ba- the, to, to the mikvah or the bathhouse. And when he, as he, took, when he took off his tzitzis, took off his tzitzis outside, and then he took off his tzitzis when he got to the next area. And now he's going into the mikvah and he, and he, he said, I have no arm in Amitzvah. Then he remembered that he has a brismila. He says, oh, no, I'm not going to have So the guy, you have a brismila, you also believe in Hashem. You also uh, love the Torah, which is the Ola Mitzvah. You have a mezuzah on at home. According to some, the fact that there's stitches on your strings, on your baggage, is a mitzvah. There's so many mitzvahs that a person has, Avopite. He probably had seductive organizations going on. What does he mean he's, he's arming on mitzvahs? And now I have brismila, oh, not. They say, what he remembers like this, a, a bris milah, he, he, what was bothering him is not that he doesn't have a mitzvah. It's that I, I have a mitzvah when I'm doing it, but when I take it off and I don't want so I don't have a mitzvah anymore. I'm now lacking what I had before. And when he looked at the bris milah, he said, no, no, that's not what a mitzvah is. A bris milah you do one time in your life, and for the rest of your life, you're a different person. You're a mole because of that. You're not just a limol, you're a mole. He said, that's how every mitzvah is. It didn't just say, I have now one mitzvah. All my mitzvahs change who I am as a person. And when I do my tzitzis, I still have my tzitzis with me. I'm not wearing them now. But the effect of the mitzvah is still felt. And my mezuzah, it's on, it's not on. But the fact that I had it on yesterday is still felt. The film I was wearing is still felt. And a person has to realize that when we do mitzvahs, it's not just for the moment that we're doing them. But the mitzvah becomes a, 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 it goes with us. And it changes who we are, and it has to become a mahalachachayim. A person should try to strive to have it be that mitzvahs are not just an isolated thing. They become who we are, they become what we are, they become what we care about. And then we'll talk to be able to say that in America, Garti, Abertayim Mitzvah Shemarati, Veloy Lamati, Mimai Sabarah.